Hey guys, welcome. You're Forest. I'm Matthew Kristoff, and uh, today I've got a podcast regarding invasive species, uh, particularly one invasive species. Uh, it's called Prussian carp. So carp, uh, they're not native to North America, and um, we've recently found them in the watersheds in the river valley or in the rivers and and some lakes uh, in southern Alberta. And they have a unique ability to kind of take over, and and they could become a real real problem uh, for. Yeah, for the ecosystems down there. So uh, I brought on Britt Schmidt, and she is a fisheries biologist for the Alberta Conservation Association. Um, if you guys remember, I forget which episode it was, maybe 14 or I forget, but I had uh, Todd Zimmerling on from the Alberta Conservation Association uh, last year. And uh, he spoke to what the ACA is, and, and they are a organization that they do a lot of research and studies into populations, uh, wildlife populations in Alberta. And so they took it upon themselves to do uh, this Prussian carp research. And they're starting this summer. They're just kind of getting ramped up. Um, it's really important because they're not sure how these carp got into the into the watersheds. They don't know where they came from or what the deal is. But, and they don't really know much about them. So they're, they're, they're trying to sort it out right now. They need to know the implications and how to manage them, how to eradicate them, all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, Britt knows her stuff. Uh, even though they're just getting started, I, we're hoping to get her back on eventually to to tell us kind of the results of what they find. Um, but yeah, it was a really good episode. Uh, she really knows what she's talking about, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys like it. Uh, as for sponsors, uh, just the normal three: Greenlink Forestry, doing re- resource inventory analysis. And also the Forest Resource Improvement Association of Alberta. They provide. Uh, some funding for me. So I'm really, really appreciative for that. It allows me to, to do this and uh, allows me to keep doing this. And uh, also Damage Timber. Damage Timber, Damage Timber is an apparel company uh, out of Edmonton here and they are selling clothing uh, and hats and toques and water bottles and stuff um, through... While they're selling them, they're trying to give back to the environmental sciences community. So they're taking 10% of what they get from all their sales and putting it towards a... Uh, towards a bursary or a, a scholarship program for environmental sciences. They'll be giving that away in the fall. So if you guys want to support something like that, like, you know, we're all need to wear clothes and hats and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to support something like that, you can go to damagetimber.com and you can buy a hat or a t-shirt or a hoodie. And I think he's got a big sale coming on right away or, or it might be on right now. Um, and yeah, you can support environmental sciences through the sale of clothing. So it's awesome. And uh, if you, punch in your force 10 at checkout you can get 10 percent off as well so yeah really cool uh check them out and uh yeah without uh any further messing around here is brit schmidt and myself talking about carp as well as a couple other things fish it's all about fish here we go so let's just start off. So uh, what's your background anyways? What, uh, you're a fisheries biologist, right? Yes, I'm a fisheries biologist with the Alberta Conservation Association. Okay. And uh, how long have you been with the ACA? I've been with them just about four years. Okay, so yeah. a while now. Yeah. And you've been working on like all, all fishery stuff, I'm guessing. Yeah, kind of a variety of projects. We have the opportunity to work in wildlife and land management as well, but yeah. I'm mostly on the fishery side. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um and then, yeah, I had Todd Zimmerling on, uh, whatever that was last year sometime, and he explained quickly kind of what the ACA does. Do you want to maybe get into that just real quickly? 
So for people that sure. aren't initiated. Yeah, yeah. So we're a delegated government organization. Um, so we work closely with government, um, but we are we do operate as a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, we have kind of four main groups that we operate under. We've got our land management um, group. So that involves a lot of like purchasing lands across the province and creating um, conservation sites that are yeah. open to the public. Um, we've got our wildlife group that does kind of wildlife-related conservation. Um, our fisheries group, um, same thing, wildlife or, sorry, fisheries-related projects. Right. And then um, we do a lot of stocking as well. Yeah. Um, and then uh, our communications department. So you guys do most of the stocking in the province, right? Or um, what's the deal We there? kind of split it with government. Oh, okay. We tend to do a lot of the smaller stocked ponds, okay. um, but they're kind of concentrated around city centers kind of edmonton red deer calgary region oh okay so you're not like renting helicopters and dropping them from buckets no into the no no, no. <laughs> they're all pretty or... local the the idea is to get people into fishing um so it right. kind of fills some of the the gap around some of those um city centers where it's easy to get like kids and stuff out and yeah. we're trying to grow our fishing community so that's mm-hmm. one of the good ways to do that yeah for sure no that makes sense yeah yeah i wasn't sure what the what the breakup there was but yeah so i think we stock about 61 or 62 ponds oh, okay. in the province yeah okay and mostly trout or yeah mostly rainbow trout and we do a little bit of um brown trout as well oh, okay yeah gotcha um yeah so i guess getting into the whole invasive species prussian carp situation there yeah um so prussian carp like wh- what exactly like, where did they come from like what are they yeah all that yeah. good stuff because <laughs> i have no idea yeah so they um from my understanding they they were native at one point in asia and mm-hmm. maybe parts of central europe okay um but they've become invasive in europe um and and have become quite a problem over there and then um, just recently, actually, we had our first recorded um, recorded Prussian carp in North America, and that was in Alberta, um, mm. it being in kind of like a natural open water body, not oh, okay. just like a stocked pond. Right. Um, no one really knows exactly how they got here. Um, there's speculation that, you know, someone released them into our system. And mm. there's a bunch of reasons biologically why they've become so spread out already throughout our water system oh so it's like a problem already yes. this isn't just like an emerging issue like it's it's really it's emerging yeah, but it's emerging quickly. yeah there's <laughs> they're spreading like fairly fast okay yeah um so so people have these as like you think they have them as like pets or something are they in like those ponds that people have outdoors that type of thing or yeah i i mean I would have to look into a little bit more as to whether you can even obtain something like that. I don't think that you can through the aquarium trade. And I know the government of Alberta has been really trying to curb that Mm -hmm. um, kind of aquarium side of things. Yeah. Um, But I think there was, I I think you can potentially get them from like grocery stores and stuff like that. Uh, You know, when you can go and get live fish. I think that at one point you may have been able to get them from that. Right. Um, You could have been able to get them in the States and someone kind of, brought them in a Brought bucket over. over right yeah so there's a few different ways that they could have huh. been released into our systems yeah that's weird so so it would have had to been like quite a number that would have been released don't you think to like spread or are they just that prolific that they just take off yeah i think there's probably i mean i, I don't see somebody right? yeah but, bringing in like a thousand of them or anything like that but if right. you get a bucket here and a bucket there then i think they can they can spread pretty quick hmm. yeah it, yeah it seems strange like i wonder if it's just a situation where somebody like didn't want them anymore and just got rid of them or if it was it, right. it seems pretty weird that it would be just like a 
like someone's trying to it, yeah, like you know I mean, cause a problem it seems strange, no and but, it's not necessarily yeah. cause a problem i think yeah people kind of in the past with other species um mm-hmm. you know you see it with perch and stuff like that where people want to fish for something and so oh, yeah. they put it somewhere because they feel like you know it, it's a good fishing opportunity um but don't maybe realize the negative impacts or how how quickly they can go from one water body to another so literally people taking like picking up perch from one lake and dumping in the next yeah. lake because they we want to fish there next year. call it like year. the Johnny Perch seed. <laughs> so that happens, eh? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that, and I guess it's tough for people to understand the implications there because they think that, oh, it's a native species I'm putting into another native lake. Like, it shouldn't be a big deal. But I guess, yeah, if those lakes are historically have, like, you know, I mean, different species, they don't have perch, then yeah, that yeah. can cause huge ramifications <laughs> for sure. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, so the Prussian carp, so we don't know where they came from. It's all like, so w- when did we first find them? In... I think um, 2000 was, I believe, the first time that they had noticed them here. And then, um, when was this? They just released a paper in 2014. But I think they found them in 2006 was like 100% the first confirmed one in some lakes down south. Okay. Yeah. Lakes and and I think Todd was talking about they found them in the Bow River in Calgary or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they've been found kind of throughout the... A bunch of southern rivers so bow river um the red deer river they've been found in the south saskatchewan yeah um river basin and then i mean the old man and stuff is all kind of connected so yeah um so that's kind of one of the questions that we're going to get at this year is you know we know that they're in these rivers but how far do they stretch in all the rivers and are oh, okay. they going further into Saskatchewan, for example? That's kind of what I was going to ask next was like how, how spread out are they? Are they kind of concentrated? But you guys are just sorting that out right now kind of thing? Yeah. So um, this project that I'm running this summer is kind of getting a, a handle of what is the current distribution right now? What do we know? There mm-hmm. have been people working on it. For example, um, Dr. Mark Posh out of the University of Alberta has a bunch of students working on Prussian carp. Okay. And um, so they've kind of been looking at their distribution a little bit over the last few years but have focused mostly i think in the red deer um river basin and so we're gonna kind of expand that um using a couple different tools to try and figure out where you know where are they and at Mm. at this point in 2018 um what is their distribution so we can get a handle of yeah how far have they gone and maybe try and figure out where they aren't yet yeah and so we know for sure that they aren't here so that if they get there at some point we know for certain that in 2018 we didn't have them in that that river. Yeah, I know that makes sense. So how do you go about uh, testing for that? Uh, So one of the tools that we're hoping to use this year is eDNA. So um, that stands for environmental DNA. Okay. Um, It's basically a method to test for presence of a species in -hmm. in water. So it's it's nice. It's not invasive. Like you don't have to go electrofishing. You don't have to go netting. Um, You essentially take a water sample. Okay. um, And then any sort of like you know, if a, if a fish is in that water, they might release skin cells or feces or anything like that. And mm-hmm. that will leave a trace of DNA. Okay. Um, and so by taking a water sample, um, we can test that in the lab and look for that presence of DNA and hopefully oh. that presence of a species. So, so how much water do you need to take to be able to test for something like that? Um, our protocols this year, we're going to try five liters. So oh, okay. we basically filter five liters of water into, yeah, it just kind of goes into a little filter. We send the filter to the mm. DNA lab and they test it for Prussian carp. Okay. Mm. So um, we're hoping that that will allow us kind of a quick, you know, you don't have to spend all day out there netting. Um, so we can hit a bunch of water bodies in one, mm-hmm. one day. And then throughout the summer, we should have a f- fair number of samples 
things oh, that's um, cool. to kind of send out. So that's that's in you're gonna try a bunch of different water like where you know they are right now and then yes, test yeah. some ones where you're not so sure where they are yet. Yeah, okay. exactly. And there's some, you know, people have kind of done studies here and there and there's some gaps in, for example, the red deer drainage. We know that they're in one area, but mm. they haven't necessarily been tested. Um in, in at least the database that, that I've been looking at that the government has um, kind of throughout the entire drainage. So oh, okay. um, we'll kind of test some of the places that are missing some, you know, that there's a little bit of a data gap there and yeah. um, see if there's something that's preventing them from going further uh, west, like mm-hmm. if it's an elevation thing or maybe a barrier of some sort. Right. Um, and then, yeah, if they're kind of flowing all the way into Saskatchewan. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what makes this, like that species so like such a worrisome species like what well, how how is it possible that something like from asia is, is is like now entered the water body somehow some way we don't know how but yeah um and is like spreading so quickly like you said it's only been you know 10 to 15 years since we've known yeah. they've been there yeah and it, it's like it sounds like they're really taken off so yeah it's, it's it seems strange that they're so is it just a random like we're just they just got lucky that they're well adapted to our environment or what's the yeah deal? there's kind of a few things kind of about their biology that make them really successful invaders particularly okay. in our water bodies mm-hmm. um they are capable of living in a variety of um of waters but they're really good at living in like low oxygen uh. and high highly polluted waterways. Um, and that's so unique th- to like, like, like our native fish aren't Yeah, our native fish aren't as good at that. Oh, okay. Um, and so a lot of our kind of like pothole lakes and, um, and watersheds, you know, tend to favor that kind of species if they can do oh, well in there. Okay. Um, they also are really interesting breeders. Mm. So they can breed, it's called gynogenesis. Um, <laughs> it's basically a clonal form of reproduction. Yeah. So you don't need males necessarily to reproduce. That's so terrifying. The females... <laughs> <laughs> so the females... Um, That's a Jurassic Park well, situation they... right exactly there. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> the females just need sperm of another saprinid species um so we have like fathead minnows and lake chub are kind of all around alberta um and so Mm. the the female prussian carp um can use the sperm of these other species to kind of initiate reproduction okay um but none of the genetic material actually contributes to um the the prussian carp so it's basically a an activation like it activates the reproduction process yeah um but all of the eggs and the resulting fish are all exact clones of the female that's so weird so how does that even i'm not sure if you understand if you know the genetic side of it there but that so like the so the sperm enters the egg or whatever and then the yeah i don't know if it ever actually enters it it just somehow activates the the kind of like growth of the embryo or whatever right um but yeah it contributes no genetic material so it just all be the chromosomes of the female that's an amazing adaptation a terrifying one it's terrifying and then they can also reproduce three times a year what and they can (laughs) reproduce after one year so after one year they can start reproducing they can reproduce three times a year they don't need males so it makes them that's ridiculous that's like what is it for for like like walleye walleye is like what seven years they can reproduce like yeah. Like when they turn seven, they can start reproducing and they reproduce once a year type thing, right? Something along those lines? I, yeah, I believe so. I can't remember exactly when they start That's reproducing. So like they've got a huge, ridiculous head. Like, wow, that's terrifying. Yeah. That's crazy. Like that's the reproductive cycle of like bugs. Yeah. You know or what like I mean? bunnies or something. Yeah, you know? like just, so, just pumping them out like crazy. That's, oh, wow. And yeah. like the low oxygen environment. Yeah. And then 
Yeah, they don't need males. So that's yeah, that's weird. Yeah, and they can you know they're kind of a bit of a generalist feeder. They can feed on plants, invertebrates, mm-hmm. um, plankton, zooplankton. So, so they, yeah, yeah, so they could. Like, but do they feed on other fish as well? Is that is that part uh, of the problem or not so much? Yeah, I I don't think that they would be. I don't know if they would be large enough. I don't think they're piscivorous, so they don't really eat other fish necessarily. Okay. But maybe small fish. Maybe they could eat like. I don't know. Minnows or something? Yeah. yeah or okay. even just like eggs and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay. Um, that's one of the questions that we're hoping to get at. We're we're going to be netting a couple of ponds that we know that they are mm. in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to be looking at, one, their sex ratio. So are they all female? Yeah. Um, is that kind of the reproduction that they're that they're using? Yeah. Um, and then what kind of diet? Um, they have. They, yeah. yeah. They oh, have, okay. So. Makes sense. So we still yeah. don't really, like, this is still very in the early stages. We really don't know yeah. what the impact's going to be. We just know that there's a potential for a lot of bad things to happen. I yeah, guess, exactly. Eh? And okay. um, one of the students out of Mark's lab um, at the university, they did a study where they looked at kind of the spread of Prussian carp and some of their impacts on native species. Mm. Um, and they did find that there was a reduction in um, native minnows. Okay. Yeah. So they were kind of already starting to see some of the effects on our native species. That's hmm. So how 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 big are these Prussian carp roughly? Um, they can get up to about thirteen inches. Oh, okay. So, so like a quite big. like a good sized perch type yeah. thing. Huh. So but that most of them are quite a bit smaller than that. Like they're Yeah, I think they're kind of in that like twenty centimeter range. But it's yeah. again like we haven't we don't know a whole lot about them yet. So yeah. we don't know, you know, how large they can grow in Alberta. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they but, don't seem to be affected by like our winters and that kind of stuff doesn't seem to like i guess the low oxygen environment they're fine right so yeah as long as they can handle the temperature of like four degree water and i was reading somewhere i don't know if it's true but apparently um they can perhaps like dig themselves into the mud oh and and survive winter Uh, yeah so i don't know too much about that but isn't that what frogs do i think like amphibians i think some do that they just literally like dig themselves into the mud and just like shut themselves off for six months or something yeah i don't know (laughs) which i mean for alberta yeah (laughs) sounds great that's pretty much what we do too right yeah everyone just hunkers down right (laughs) yeah Yeah, grab a blanket and cuddle up yeah um yeah no that's a that's a crazy situation so they like so we really don't know like anything really yeah i mean they've been studied in europe and they've become quite a problem there but you never really know what it's going to be in your own yeah your own province yeah Wow. So, um, so if someone, are, are people catching these like with yeah. like, the rod and reel and stuff? They yeah. Are so them? you can look on kind of YouTube and, um, if you Google impression carp and people are pulling them out like crazy in the Bow river, for example. Oh really? Um, yeah. So government Alberta recommends if you do catch impression carp to, mm-hmm. um, basically kill them when you get them and then properly dispose of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're catching a lot of them. And then are they, they, are are you, are they seeing much of a like population decline in the native species as a result of this yet? Or again, Um, just starting to research that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's still kind of in the the beginning stages of that. Okay. Yeah. There is the potential for them to significantly impact our native species um, through kind of direct competition with food and habitat. um, Mm -hmm. And then also kind of like what I was mentioning before, they can use the sperm of native species. So you kind of can get this reproductive competition yeah yeah so they can use as far as we know they can use the sperm of like any native species or just the printed so kind of some of those minnow species minnow species okay yeah, yeah. and they're are they they're just more genetically similar you think or do we really know um i ooh, that's a good question i would guess yeah yeah i probably. mean they are genetically similar right um whether it, yeah whether that's the reason why 
they can kind of yeah. use that as a trigger that I'm guessing that's probably that's an amazing trait like I said I can't get over that I'm thinking <laughs> like that's some alien style yeah there's not I mean? that many species in the world that do that there are some other yeah. species but not many other fish or um I think some sharks and some inverts oh, okay yeah. yeah that's yeah I hope humans don't develop that trait. <laughs> 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 yeah that's wild like I actually can't get over that it just seems so alien and like yeah, I don't know. It's terrifying yeah. to think about. Yeah. yeah, Mother Nature finds a way. I guess. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, as far as like taking care of this issue in enforcement, like how do you? I don't know, not enforcement's not the right word, I guess, but like trying to eliminate them from the from the water bodies, right? Yeah. How has there been any much research done into how to go about that yet? Is there a specific no. trait that we can exploit or something? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that they've tried for some carp species, I believe in Australia, mm -hmm. um, because they are clonal, mm -hmm. um, they, there's not a lot of genetic diversity, so they can be susceptible to things like viruses. Right. Um, so in Australia, they tried introducing like a herpes virus. <laughs> and so apparently that was fairly successful in really? wiping out a, a chunk of the population, but right. I don't know if they would be wanting to try something like that here um yeah it's a whole other bag of worms right because you I mean you introduce a virus of some kind and hope that it's only susceptible to or that only yeah. the only fish susceptible to it are the carp but exactly. you don't know it's a the... dangerous game australia yeah. is kind of you know the wild wild west of introducing uh, things oh yeah australia is <laughs> known for just like well we have rabbits so let's bring cats well we have cats let's bring like dogs and yeah. like, it just keeps i don't know like, exactly what animals but yeah it seems like they just kept introducing stuff to try and yeah. take care of population problems yeah. yeah no that's a wild one um, yeah but i think one of the other things is just kind of introducing or sorry having a better understanding of um how they are expanding mm -hmm. and whether it is just kind of this natural um growth yeah. into whatever water bodies they can get into yeah um whether it is just a direct movement of one bucket to another water body yeah. um and so we're hoping that getting a little bit of better distribution of um of where they are and are not this mm -hmm. year might give us a better handle on some of that um and then you know, once you start looking into it a little bit more, are there any sort of natural barriers that make it harder for them to kind of colonize one area over another? Yeah. So whether it is kind of a, a water quality type of thing or whether right. it's a, you know, an elevation, maybe they don't like a certain temperature. Or maybe they can jump over stuff or whatever. Yeah. Is so that kind of getting an idea of where they could potentially spread might yeah. give us a better uh, idea of where we can put our efforts in to try and prevent their spread. Right. Um, I remember seeing videos online of like car in the States, like people driving the boats down the river and having like carp jump yes. into the boat and stuff. Is that, yeah. that's not the same species. It's is not it? the same species. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but those still, ones are crazy. <laughs> they're invasive as well, right? Those they are, are invasive. Yeah. Those yeah. aren't native species. So I imagine those, like you look at those videos and there's like, it seems like thousands of them as the boat's driving by and they're literally, they're just jumping. I don't know yeah. what that behavior is. Yeah. But... It's just uh, specific to that species. And yeah. Like, yeah. So that like that's can jump. Right. So that's and those those carp have similar traits to like these ones, like we think, or yeah, I mean they same thing. They can they can colonize very polluted um, and low oxygen. And they do areas. the cloning thing. Uh you know what? I'd have to look into it. Yeah, I don't know if of they do. No, yeah, okay. but they're same thing. They're fast mm -hmm. reproducers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are they? Do they find them in the states and like other provinces and stuff? Or like is Russian it just, carp? Yeah. No. Oh. So far, we've just found them in Alberta. That's it. Yeah. Huh. 
other than potentially like little stocked ponds and stuff, but they right. haven't become, yeah, they're not spreading um, throughout those areas like they have in Alberta. So that's, that's another concern. Like we've got the Milk River, obviously that flows um, into Alberta, but then it goes down into the States and connects to a bunch of different rivers. So, yeah. um, you know, we have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. That's the thing. So these, so the, the water bodies that's being found, you said it's found in a lot of the lakes and, and rivers and stuff down South. Mm-hmm. Um, are they all connected? Or is, are some of them in, di- in different watersheds? Yeah, a lot of them end up connecting. Okay. Um, so, for example, the bow flows in and meets up with the Saskatchewan. Right. Um, so does the old man. Right. And um, there are a bunch of tributaries kind of along the way that all connect in and seem to have Prussian carp in them. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a, you know, a, it's a very connected system. Yeah. And so once they're in one, it doesn't uh... seem too hard for them to get to another so you're not finding them in kind of isolated lakes so much uh yeah they are in some like lakes and ponds but um i think once they kind of got into the river yeah they they did a very good job at moving through those rivers for sure yeah Yeah. i guess the question what i'm asking is like would it take do you think it's possible that it was just one event like you know what i mean like one bucket of carp got dumped in the in the river and that just kind of did all of this or or is it possible or maybe there was a few people that like wanted to like i want to fish carp right yeah i'm gonna fill fill this pond full of carp and uh, yeah and fish them right yeah for some of those isolated ones mm-hmm. probably i mean it would have to be somebody that was um, moving them around so there are some isolated ones that have it yeah. as well yeah. okay so then yeah so it has to be i guess in those situations it's kind of intentional i suppose but yeah i wonder like that's a weird one like i wonder if there's people literally finding like carp and mm-hmm. literally being like oh i feel like i really heard that like fishing for carp is good and the carp tastes really good and yeah. that like maybe if i throw them in this pond it'll like they'll propagate and i can fish them for my whole life like i wonder if that's the mindset that's going on out there or if it's just kind of a like i don't know i'm, I'm yeah. sure like they don't mean to like whoever's doing it doesn't mean to totally destroy the landscape or whatever no i think it's, it's yeah i think a large part of it is that education component of right. trying to yeah help people understand that you know, as much as you might want to fish for this, or I mean, there, there are some, um, some religion, I don't know if it's religions or what, but they have, um, a component of it that is like release, releasing a fish as kind of a good luck type of thing. Um, and I think traditionally it it might be kind of like a goldfish, but if you get that confused with a Prussian carp, perhaps, um, that could be something, but I haven't right. really looked into that, that side of things. Either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... kind of like a more traditional thing that maybe that's where we can kind of focus some mm. of our education, but I would have to look into that as well. Yeah. But, that's worrisome. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. Because it's interesting, like looking at from a, from a food perspective, mm-hmm. um, as much of the research that I've done, I haven't really found anybody to say like, these are amazing eating. You I was going to ask you that. I was like, yeah. are they good to eat? Or are I they... don't think so. Like yeah. I think they're very bony. Um, oh, okay. they tend to like dig around in the sediment and stuff. So I think they can be kind of muddy tasting. Yeah. 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 Lots of like, are they like an oilier fish maybe or something? Kind of like a bourbon or. Yeah, I don't know if they're necessarily like that. I, yeah. I mean, I haven't tasted one, but yeah. <laughs> um, from everything that I've read, it it's not something that I, it doesn't seem to me like you would want to release them just to eat them. Right. I feel I like being that that's your job, well, you should probably taste one at some point. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of I your responsibility <laughs> to know if it's good or not, right? It's yeah. Like <laughs> I'll let you know after we catch some this summer. Yeah, that's crazy. I, like, I, now I want to go down and try to catch them and just just out of curiosity. But so if someone does catch these things, they're not supposed to release them back in, right? If you no. catch one, just like 
kill yeah. it, get rid of it, eat it, whatever. Exactly. So you're not going to get in trouble for just like killing it and leaving it. Yeah. No, there's like, there's no limit or anything like that. Yeah. Cause they're yeah. totally invasive species. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not, yeah. Yeah. That's man. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just imagining the mindset of somebody. So it had to be somebody, somebody had to have released these, right? Like it's whether it was intentional or not, like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking like the situation that, you know, everyone has the, gets the, the goldfish from like the fair or whatever, mm-hmm. right? The circus or something. Mm-hmm. They bring it home and like, maybe that's actually a carp. Yeah. If they were to like, say, flush that down the toilet, as you know, like as it happens, yeah. would that, could that be the result of that? Yeah, definitely. B- really? Yeah, okay. that could be. Um, yeah, it just depends on how they're, how they kind of originally got into the province, yeah. whether it was through, um, yeah, the grocery store type of thing or whether it's the aquariums. But yeah. like I said, I think the government's been trying really hard to prevent some of that import um, of those kinds of species into mm-hmm. the aquarium trade. Um, or yeah, whether it's somebody bringing in it from somewhere else where they are allowed. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, I mean, we don't really know exactly no. where they're coming from, but no. I think if we can kind of bring that education component in, try and let people know that, you know, they can have a really negative impact on our watersheds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, trying to eradicate where we can. Yeah. Yeah. Prussian carp. So like, as far as like, it's, it's funny how the invasive species thing is kind of like, it's a problem everywhere, right? Like everyone has that, has that issue that like invasive species, like what else I noticed the other thing was like, like we have zebra mussels in Alberta now too. Do you know? Mm, no, I think, well, I don't know if we do yeah. yet. Um, but I think the government's been really targeting trying to prevent their spread or yeah. coming into Alberta. So that's why yeah. we've got a lot of those, um, boat checks and stuff. Right. Now. Like the boat checks are pretty, yeah. Like they're, they're really they're standard come now. across province yeah. or whatever. Yeah. They're like yeah. checking little nooks and crannies, making sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think they have them just across the border. So they're trying to prevent them from coming. Into Alberta. In Saskatchewan or? Uh, down south. Oh, down south. In, in oh, okay. States, yeah. okay. 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 Because yeah. I know like, they have them in the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not sure if they have them in like throughout Ontario yeah. or whatever. But I know that's like another big, another big invasive species that they're really worried about because those things just same thing, yeah. right? They just take over somehow. Yeah. Well, and yeah. they're really worried about them in southern Alberta, um, particularly with the irrigation systems and oh, stuff down yeah. there. From an economic perspective, they can be very devastating. Right. Yeah. Same with Prussian carp. Like if they get yeah. into those, and I think they have been getting into those irrigation canals, they can just clog everything up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Um, so as far as like, as far as affecting other species and stuff like that, a concern is there, do you guys have any hypothesis on like what the impact might be? Do you think it's just they'll, they might take over habitat or do you think they might could potentially eat like enough of the vegetation and stuff like that, that like, say like they eliminate the potential for this, like the, um, the trophic cascade situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, you're kind of getting at all the, all the potential impacts. Right. They, um, they can kind of cause a bit of a trophic disrupt, um, with, feeding right so they can outcompete other other um fish in that area Mm -hmm. um by eating uh yeah kind of plankton zooplankton yeah um and some inverts that other fish might otherwise eat um they can also because they do eat a bunch of plankton um that can cause uh some some disrupt in the habitat as well and Mm -hmm. um increased turbidity in the water and they they kind of dig around a bunch in the sediment too so turbidity being just the they're known to yeah kind of like more sand and silt in the water right um other fish don't really like like that kind of habitat so Mm -hmm. um they would prefer you know cleaner waters so as you kind of change the habitat reduce the number of um, or the amount of other food for our native species, all of those things could 
cause a negative impact on our yeah. species. Yeah. So whether it's moving our species out of areas where Prussian carp are, mm-hmm. um, or kind of just causing a, a decline in our populations. Yeah. Um, all those are definitely possible. And, yeah. and like I said earlier, that's kind of what some of the research is starting to show. Okay. Yeah. So is there other places that, that Prussian carp have, uh, like invaded where they've had success in like eradicating them or or managing them somehow that you know of? I would have to look into that a little bit more. Yeah, not really sure. But it doesn't sound like anybody has a success story of trying to get rid of them. So it's really starting from square one. It's not like there's there's other people have stories that you can like start from, right? Yeah, I think probably prevention is your best best bet at this point. Yeah, and and at this point, if they're already in there, then now, yeah. 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 It's hard because a lot of the ways that you would get rid of something like that is mm-hmm. through something that is going to hurt our other species, right? Yeah. So, um, any of those like chemicals or anything that would actually get rid of, you know, like for example, the pond in, uh, in St. Albert, mm-hmm. they've had a problem with goldfish. Okay. Um, and they have been trying to get rid of them for years now yeah. and constantly trying to drain it. Um, that doesn't seem to be working. I really? think they've, you know, they've used different chemical treatments to try and get rid of them. And I think they're finally getting a handle on it, but that's an isolated pond. Right. It's not, there's no tributaries going into it. It's just, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there other fish in that pond as well? Or is it just the goldfish? Uh, yeah, we, well, we've been stocking it oh, traditionally been, with oh, trout, but oh. we haven't been stocking it for the last few years because they've been trying to oh, okay. deal with this goldfish problem. Yeah. 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 Um, are they, do these carp carry any kind of specific pathogens or, or diseases or anything like Yeah, not necessarily that I know of. Right. Um, but I think because they can reproduce in such large numbers and they, there are so many of them, they yeah. have the potential of spreading a pathogen way faster than a native species might. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 And yeah, exactly. Because they're all the same. They're all clones. So if one of them gets it, they're all going to get it. And that could... Yeah, and there's just, you know, higher densities and stuff like that. So yeah. it's kind of like fish farming or whatever. There's right. going to be higher pathogens in a fish farm than there would be in a wild yeah. species just because they're closer together. Yeah, yeah. Have they been yeah. finding them in, in, in fisheries? Like Speaking of fish farms, have they been getting into like the fisheries at all or, you know, like the like the, like the fish farms, I mean? Um, I, ugh, I don't, maybe elsewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure, but we don't really have, we don't really we have. Don't really have Nothing like that. Farm. I mean, we've got hatcheries, for example. Or hatcheries, yeah. Yeah. I'm not but sure the terminology, but oh, the, yeah, yeah. like where, um, wherever you get like your, like wherever stocked. you're propagating your trout. Right. Yeah. Right? No, we haven't caught okay. any. Um, but those are kind of isolated, fairly isolated systems. So that's called a hatchery. hatchery just so I can get yeah. my terminology yeah. straight. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the, yeah, with the jargon. That's yeah. for sure. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So I, the other, one of the other things that I was, was looking into recently, and I don't know if you can speak to this much at all, but uh, like the whirling disease mm-hmm. is also coming to be a, like a pretty big issue here, right? Yeah. yeah. So wh- uh, when was that detected? And like, actually, I guess we should start. Like, what is whirling disease? What I don't know if Todd spoke to it quickly, but... Right. Yeah. Have- so whirling disease, um, it's a disease that influences trout, mm-hmm. um, particularly salmonids. And they... Salmonids um, is a, just a... Yeah. Kind of like a trout is a salmonid. And whitefish too, I think, right? Uh... Sometimes I'm not very good at my That's okay. I think I, I watched a video I watched a video earlier this morning and it said I think it was saying trout and whitefish are susceptible okay. to whirling disease. So okay, yeah. Stick with that. Okay. <laughs> um so some so it influences um I can't remember exactly the pathway, but it basically gives them like a curved spine. Right. And so that's kind of where the whirling terminology comes from because it kind of causes fish to swim Oh, okay. In a so it's not like a, like a neurological thing where they're actually like going crazy and going in a circle. It's more of a physiological thing? 
Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, so it can, um, it's passed, it's kind of held in these two, tube worms that survive in the sediment. Oh, okay. Um, and then can get passed to fish. Okay. Um, it was first detected, uh, down in Banff. Yeah. Um, and they found it kind of throughout, um, same thing, like the Bow River and a bunch yeah. of those southern watersheds. Yeah. And then it, I think they've just recently detected it in a few other rivers um, throughout Alberta. Mm-hmm. So it's same thing. It's kind of spreading um, quickly. The thing with whirling disease is we don't necessarily know how negatively it can impact our native species. Right. So some species can get it and be totally fine, okay. or some fish can have it and be totally fine, um, whereas some can kind of show these these whirling patterns. Right. Um, so it has the potential to be very devastating, mm-hmm. but we haven't necessarily seen that devastation on a large scale yet in, in our fisheries so gotcha. so that's good yep um, no, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but same thing it's i think right now they're just testing a bunch of different watersheds to figure out where it is and where it isn't right that's um, a pretty new thing too right like around the same time as the carp kind of that became an issue yes. that's when we noticed the whirling disease too right yeah i yeah. wonder if there's any connection there or if it's just kind of yeah guys, i don't know because yeah. i don't know if um I don't know if carp could actually carry the disease. They're totally because they're not a what would you call it a salmonid? Salmonid, yeah. Salmonid, yeah. yeah. So they're not one of those types. No. Okay, they're no. totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, but whirling disease was found in some of our hatcheries. Okay. And so, like That's you were what... asking before, can can you get that? And yeah, so they found it in the hatcheries, and so um, they stopped stocking for a few of the ponds that were traditionally stocked by those hatcheries where they found a positive. So if they yeah. found whirling disease in a pond that was previously stocked they'd stop stocking that pond for a while and kind of let them die um out, yeah they haven't actually i don't know if they've quite tested all the ponds yet but okay. um anything that was stocked by those hatcheries that did that were found to be positive yeah um they stopped stocking for um the subsequent years so we're still kind of waiting to hear from the government as to whether we can start stocking some of those again oh, okay and those hatcheries mm-hmm. are still um the hatcheries are yeah i think they kind of cleaned them all out and oh, okay yeah they just start from scratch again and then they're good to go yeah okay so is is that a native uh like pathogen or you said it, you said it's a yeah. you said it's a par- or it's carried by a parasite right um i can't it's remember by a worm if it's of some a kind. pathogen or a virus right i'd have to look to it again but yeah it's it can it's found in the in a worm okay um and so How it can it kind be? of hide in the sediment okay um and then i don't know if it can be passed from like fish to fish that's what i was wondering is it can it only be picked up from specifically the worm or if one worm if one fish has it can it like i don't know yeah i'd have to do some research again yeah i have no idea yeah, yeah. okay um but um Oh, I can't remember where I was going with that. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I have brain farts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep flowing in the right direction, but like we're all human. Yeah. Oh, you were asking if they if it's been around forever. Yeah. Um, we don't really know. I think okay. they've they they have found records of it in the past, mm-hmm. but um, you know, sometimes you don't know it's there until you go looking for it. Yeah. So um it was caught it was you know, they could see the effect in fish in some of these areas kind of around Banff. I can't remember the name of the lake that they originally found it in. Okay. Um, but then this kind of spurred this huge um, this huge project to go and figure out where whirling disease was and wasn't. Yep. And like I said, we don't really know how devastating it can be on our populations. And right. yeah, you can find some fish that have had it and are totally fine. So mm. it could have been in our province for a really long time. So you could test for the for the whatever virus or for, for whirling disease, mm-hmm. the fish may not be showing any symptoms, but may have it and may be fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it could have been here for a while. Mm-hmm. It could have just recently been found. So we don't know if it... There was no, uh, like, say, 100 years ago or whatever, there was no records of the, of whirling disease ever being found, a, really? Yeah, or necessarily, like, a problem. Right. Yeah. Okay, so it may be just a virus that exists that it's, like, the common cold for human beings. It's not the exactly. end of the world, but yeah. it does exist, and we want to try and mitigate that problem and not perpetuate it through a bunch of stock lakes exactly. or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, is there any other like invasive species that are like that you can think of that are like they're just kind of up and coming and are a real problem as far as like water bodies and stuff like that mm. just kind of those yeah ones for i now. think kind of yeah there's a few different carp species but none that have kind of spread as, oh, okay. much, as much as prussian carp oh okay yeah gotcha so um i'm trying to think of any other ones but that's yeah. kind of the, those are the ones that are coming to mind and yeah. then yeah some of the ones that um, the government is trying to prevent mm-hmm. kind of coming into Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some different like plant species and stuff that are, are issues, but yeah, know, in terms of fish. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And yeah, like you said, for, for management. So it's like right now, it's still just a, it's still just a, you're trying to take an accounting of what's going on so that you can decide what to do, I guess, later. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is it uh, is, like it? Is it just the ACA that's doing these types of studies or is like the government involved with that as well? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, so we work closely with government. Mm-hmm. Um, this was identified as one of the priorities for this year. Yeah. So um, we will be giving all of our data at the end of this to the government mm. um, and then kind of working on whether this project goes into a second or yeah. third or however many years yeah. um, to figure out, yeah, if there is something that we can do about them or further studies about their impact to native species. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it, it seems like a really concerning issue. Cause yeah, like you said, if these, these things can reproduce at that rate, like that yeah. gets out of hand really quickly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so as of yet, you said that they haven't yet found it in really BC or in Saskatchewan. It's just kind of isolated in Alberta. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to see if they're, if we can kind of follow it along the river, yeah. um, and see if it's kind of on our border, yeah. um, on the South Saskatchewan or on the Red Deer, um, right. I, I imagine it would be in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Would you guys just like throw a net up or what? Um, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> that might be up to, up to Saskatchewan as to whether they want them or not, but, right. um, yeah, I mean, that could be, that could be one thing, but I imagine that they would be in there already. Yeah. yeah. I would think so. If they're in the tributaries and why, yeah, it doesn't, all it takes is one, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so well, by well. the sounds of it, all it takes is one, which is yeah. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if we can provide kind of that warning to to that you know that mm-hmm. province too and say hey we found them here and they're coming your way so. this is what we found that works this is what doesn't work we don't yeah. know yeah crazy yeah. okay um just kind of switch gears for a minute about yeah. i know uh there's been some people have been like showed concern about i don't know how, i don't know if you can speak to this or not and if okay. you can't just say so like, okay. it's not a big deal <laughs> um but, but like in recent the last few years we've seen uh like tag numbers go down for fish, like the allowed amount of fish you're allowed to remove from water bodies and stuff like that. Yeah. And I guess people just assume that, that means populations are down and we need to, you know, be more conservative with our, with our catch. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak at all to the population levels kind of across the province? Um, like where we're sitting. Cause I know that we recently brought in, I think it was a couple of years ago, we brought in the, uh, like tag for like walleye in mm-hmm. some lakes and mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, I'm just curious because I, 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 sure, I guess I, there's probably some reports out there I can look at. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's the government of Alberta that sets all of the regulations for the province. Of course, yeah. Um, I think kind of moving to this tag system is kind of partly because, um, yeah, we have, uh, you know, we have sensitive 
native species um, that their populations um, kind of over the years have been in decline. Okay. Um, we also have a very... We've got a lot of people fishing in the province and yeah. not a lot of fisheries. Oh, okay. um, when you compare our province to Saskatchewan, for example, okay. um, the number of people per lake, for example, um, is very, very high in Alberta. It is, okay. Um, and so in order to kind of make it fair for the species and then try and make it fair for everybody else, I think kind of going to that tag system makes it a little bit easier for managers to say, um, you know, target a certain a certain size, a certain species, and have a better idea of what's coming out of the lake. Yeah. Um, so to better manage our populations there. For sure. No, it yeah, totally Yeah, but makes from sense. kind of a, a broader standpoint of, you know, how our populations are doing, that's mm. kind of more of a, a government question. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you guys were doing those studies or who was Yeah, doing I mean, them, so. we do a little bit of, um, like, so we'll run creole surveys in the summer, typically. Okay. Um, those involve, if you ever kind of get asked by somebody at a lake how many fish you caught and how long you're out for and stuff like that, um, those are usually our staff kind of asking those questions. Gotcha. Um, then that information goes to the government and that's how they make some of their population estimates. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. I know, uh, like, this year... I hope I don't get confused here. There was a few lakes that they had like a like a zero limit on like pike mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I never even really would have thought that that northern pike would have been a real problem because they seem to just I don't know every like they seem to be everywhere. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that now there's even starting to be. Uh, like regulations on that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's kind of like anything is, it is. If you've got a lot of people fishing for them and yeah. um, everybody takes one or yeah. a couple, right? Um, over time, that adds up. Yeah, it adds yeah. up big time. Yeah. And um, do you know, I'm just curious, like this is just a, as far as cause we were talking about the um, reproduction rate mm-hmm. of like native fish and stuff mm-hmm. like that in relation to carp. Mm-hmm. Um but they they do take like a few years to get to yeah most of our native sea species I think take a take a little while longer right yeah so it's not like there's a like a real quick turnaround like that so it takes it might take a few years of of, of reduced um, catch limits to to bring populations back up to like a stable level I guess just because yeah it, or it might just kind of be the the new I mean not necessarily a zero bag limit but some of these tag things might just it might not be something that they're just moving to for a little bit to yeah. kind of boost populations again. Mm-hmm. It might just kind of be the new status quo. Just because there's so many people fishing. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah, the population of Alberta has like drastically increased over the last, what, 30 years? We've like doubled or something along those lines. Like something crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, yeah. So it, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. I think and people... I can't remember. I wish I could remember the stats, but um, yeah, if you look, if you kind of look at how many people there are, how many fishing you know, fishing licenses we sell in a year, for example, mm-hmm. um, at, versus the number of water bodies that we have that are actually fishable yeah. um, compared to other provinces. is just astounding. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Eh? We've got lots. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I love it. It's yeah. great. Like, even, <laughs> even if it's just catch and release, it's still just a fun time. Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, yeah. And even, I mean, catch and release can have um, a negative influence on our species as well. Like yeah. if you, you can imagine getting, you know, snagged, on yeah. a hook five times in one day um, <laughs> over, you know, the entire summer that can start to, you know, you do get a certain amount of mortality just from catch and release as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, just kind of factoring str- all of those things in, yeah. um, it's understandable that we're kind of moving towards more of these catch and release or tagged systems no for sure it makes yeah. sense yeah and a lot of them died just from the stress of being yeah. pulled out too right it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that like 
it got the hook got jammed into their gullet or whatever it's just yeah. like just the stress of being pulled from 30 feet to zero feet like they yeah. get you I, i've had situations where you get uh you get the walleye like barrel trauma type of thing like, yeah like where you pull them out from like 30 or 40 feet while ice fishing or something when you pull mm-hmm. them up there uh like they're I don't know what that's called. Like the, their swim bladder. The swim bladder is yeah. coming out of their mouth. Yeah. Right? You're yeah. like, oh, Jesus. Like, what did I do? Right? Yeah. So they get the bends, I guess, too. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And like on the coast, I'm actually trained more in the marine side of things. Right. Um, And so on the coast for like rockfish and stuff like that, because they'll pull them up from quite, quite far. And so they've moved to a system where they've tried to kind of encourage people to actually put them back in almost like a decompression chamber oh, okay. so you release them back down and uh-huh. then release them to a certain depth so that that helps kind of bring their swim bladder back to oh, okay. their normal state That's yeah cool. otherwise they can't swim back down because they're all poofed up right oh right so just like they'd have to yeah it would take too long for them to to whatever yeah decompress or whatever yeah. it is yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a biologist i don't yeah. know <laughs> well, that's crazy um yeah, I guess that kind of covers the, the – was there any kind of final thoughts that you had regarding Prussian carp or, or, or fishing in, in the province, that kind of stuff that you wanted to wanted to throw in there? Um, no, I mean, I guess I don't know kind of what your listener base is, but um, – Still growing. You, Still trying growing. to figure that out myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if you think that you've caught Prussian carp somewhere um, and have an idea of where they are, I would love to hear from you and just kind of put an extra point on the map. Sure. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll get a better handle of where they are this year and then hopefully study a little bit about what their influence can be on our native fish and hopefully come up with some sort of form of either eradication or something to prevent their spread. So yeah, herpes, it's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <we'll see. laughs> the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'd be really curious to hear about that. If that's yeah. the way we went with it, right? Like, yeah. okay. Interesting choice. <laughs> right. We've got herpes in the water now. Yeah. Is that going to affect our drinking water? I, know. I don't oh know what's God, the it deal. It sounds like a mess. <laughs> it does sound dangerous, right? Crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, do, is there like a is, is there somewhere where people can reach out to you or the ACA and like and yeah give their... yeah so if you um yeah you can either reach me directly um, I think you can look me up on our website my okay. name is Britt Schmidt and then um, or you can kind of reach out to our general um, Alberta conservation uh, email line or phone number which is all on our website okay so basically if you catch one just like shoot you guys an email or something just so you know like yeah you, you might be the first person to catch one in that. Area. In a certain area, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that was perfect. I think that uh, yeah, that pretty much covers it. But yeah, I think if when you guys do like maybe in a year or two or whatever, however long it takes, and you guys sort out what the management scheme is going to be or yeah. where they are, or yeah. how you can affect them, then yeah, it'd be sweet to have you back on and we can like yeah, discuss sure. that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So awesome. Thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. If you have any questions for for Britt or myself, you can shoot me an email at yourforestpodcast at gmail.com and hopefully I can find answers to your questions. Um, or also you can reach out to her or to the ACA uh, through their website. They have uh, contact information there. If you guys catch carp or you want to let them know, it's a really good idea. So thanks a lot for listening. Don't forget to rate and review and leave comments um, on iTunes at the website and all that kind of stuff. Also, I'm on all the social medias, Your Forest Podcast. Check it out. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and we'll uh, catch you next time.